Luke 18. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people, and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, This one went to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. People were bringing infants to him so that he might touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them, Let the little children come to me, and don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. I have kept all these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, You still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Then who can be saved? He replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Then Peter said, Look, we have left what we had and followed you. So he said to them, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Then he took the twelve aside and told them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. They understood none of these things. The meaning of the saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front of him told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are lots of little stories in today's reading. Some are true stories of real things that Jesus said or did, and others are parables, that is, a story told to highlight a central theme. In the first parable, Jesus encouraged his followers to pray and not lose heart. In order to do that, we have to trust the Father's heart. Otherwise, why would we pray and talk to him? Without knowing and trusting the Father's heart, it's easy for us to lose heart. Jesus knew it would be vital for his followers to understand that the Father was working on their behalf even when they couldn't see it. This first parable was about a needy widow and an unrighteous judge. But make no mistake, the judge in this story is not like the father. That's the whole point. Jesus described the judge as unrighteous, neither fearing God nor respecting man. So if this terrible judge will actually work to seek justice, won't our loving Heavenly Father do it all the more? Then he told another parable. This one was about a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisees were a very upright, law-abiding, religious group held in high esteem. They prided themselves, quite literally, on checking all the boxes in their relationship with God. And while their obedience was a good thing, their hearts and their pride poisoned the well, so everything that flowed out of them was ruined. Tax collectors, on the other hand, were local outcasts. They were known for wicked behavior, and they were hated for it. So a Pharisee and a tax collector walk into the temple. The Pharisee thanks God for all the good works he's doing, and the Pharisee has found the right source to thank, I'll give him that. God is the source of all his good works. There's technically nothing wrong with his prayer on the surface, but it seems to carry the tone of arrogance. It lands on us almost like a backhanded compliment, right? It almost feels like, thank you God for creating an amazing person like me. You should really be proud of yourself. I am truly some of your very best work. Meanwhile, the tax collector, who has no good works to speak of, is wailing off to the side, acknowledging his sin and begging God for mercy. And Jesus points to that man as the one God justifies, not the Pharisee. This would have been a shocking and offensive message to nearly any crowd in Jesus' day, whether it contained Pharisees or tax collectors or not. Then Jesus took things a shocking step further by saying that children were welcome in his presence. They were another disregarded group of people in his day. In verse 18, we meet the rich ruler. This man had wealth and power, and he had also been on top of things as far as the law was concerned, at least on the surface. He asked Jesus how to have eternal life. He was probably used to getting whatever he wanted. So Jesus leaned into the question and kept pushing the guy to search his own heart to see what was really in there. He pushed him just a step at a time. He started by telling him to keep the law, and the guy was like, check? First of all, we know that's a lie. We all fail just trying to keep the Ten Commandments, not to mention the other 600-plus laws. But this guy was pretty confident, so Jesus was like, you've kept the law? Awesome! Then you need to come be one of my followers. Why don't you go sell everything you own and be one of my disciples? And this invitation revealed the man's heart. Jesus gave this man a rare offer, come follow me. This guy could have been the 13th apostle, but Jesus knew all along what was in his heart. The problem was, 
The rich ruler didn't know what was in his own heart until he was faced with choosing between following Jesus and sticking with his wealth and power. To be clear, the command and invitation Jesus gave to the rich ruler isn't the path to eternal life. You probably know that already. Nothing else we've read says, sell everything you own, that's how you get to know God. This was obviously Jesus meeting the rich ruler where he was to reveal his own heart to him. Jesus exposed his priorities. The man thought he wanted to follow God, but he really preferred his own path. And the man went away sad. It's devastating to realize you kind of want God, but that you really want something else more than God. Then Jesus pulled his disciples aside on their journey and told them he was going to die after they got to Jerusalem. He even included the fact that people would mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They still didn't understand. They just kept moving toward Jerusalem undeterred. On the way there, their entourage passed the city of Jericho. All the noise caught the attention of a blind beggar. Jesus healed him, and he followed Jesus heading toward Jerusalem with them. My favorite part of today's reading was in verses 29 through 30. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, wife, or brothers, or sisters, parents, or children, because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more at this time, and eternal life in the age to come. Abundant, eternal life in the kingdom won't look the same as a life focused on the here and now. Nor should it. Jesus promised there will be some necessary losses along the way. But he also promised that what you gain for following him will always trump what you lose. Even his taking is giving. He's always in the business of giving. Life, hope, peace, healing, freedom, justice, and joy. Because he's where the joy is. I'm Tara Lee Cobble, and you're listening to the He's Where the Joy Is podcast presented by LifeWay. LifeWay. 